Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Just want to give you a brief heads up that your choices for internet are rapidly changing in the United States. A couple of brief developments to tell you about. T-Mobile, which has its new home internet service that's $50 a month, no contract, no data cap, expanded just this week to a huge number of locations in the state of Michigan, state of Minnesota, uh, very few places in upstate New York, all around North Dakota, heavily around the state of Ohio, uh, widely spread around the state of Pennsylvania, wide coverage in South Dakota and West Virginia, and then just a few spots around the state of Wisconsin. And this is going to continue as a big thing as we move into 21, where no longer are you going to be the prisoner of a monopoly cable company sticking you with data caps and extremely high prices. Easy, simple, 50 bucks a month, unlimited data. The data speeds are good but not great. You'll be able to stream without a problem, but gamers, you'll hate it. The other thing is Starlink is proving to be very, very reliable. That's the new uh, low-Earth orbit satellite service that's much more expensive. It's 100 bucks a month, but it reaches areas in rural America across the northern tier states, open now for what's known as open beta. So you can go sign up at Starlink, and if you've been stuck with crummy, terrible, rotten, space-based internet that's slow and very expensive with tight data caps. You won't have to worry about that with Starlink. And I want to add um, some thoughts to you about the panic buying that has been going on around the country over the last two weeks as people have started to freak out that we were going to go to tight lockdowns again in the United States over this massive wave of outbreak of coronavirus. And the reality, that's not how it's going to play. Americans are emotionally and psychologically over it with coronavirus, and governments are not going to be successful doing any kind of tight lockdowns. Groceries, as long as we chill, are going to be well available and as a result of people doing panic buying, supermarkets all around America have been putting in purchase limits where you can buy only this much toilet paper, this much paper towel, um, whatever things people are panic buying, they are putting the limits. The good news is so far supermarkets are seeing very few items sell through. Sell through is supermarket lingo for there's nothing on the shelves and the shortages have not been for the reasons they were early this year that there just wasn't enough inventory that retailers were holding they've done a much better job with inventories so please no need for you to feel like you've got to run all over town and buy every last item that you might need over the next three months to have in your home. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com ask. 
Producers Kim and Joel take turns with Kim's turn. All right, this is from Jake in Alabama. Jake says, I'm enrolled in a high deductible health insurance plan through my employer. However, my employer does not offer an HSA. Is there any way that I can enroll in an HSA while keeping my employer-sponsored health insurance, of which my employer pays 100% of the premium? Well, that is fantastic. They do so. So the trigger is not that you're in a high-deductible health plan. It is that the health plan from your employer is an HSA-eligible high-deductible health plan. Hopefully, you're If you work for a company that has an HR department, they will be able to advise you if yours is a plan that triggers HSA eligibility. And you can go open your own HSA wherever you want. Uh, Some of the best places to open typically, well, actually, my favorite is if you're going to leave the money aside and let it grow over the years, Fidelity Investments, which offers a clean, simple deal on having an HSA. Another choice a lot of people don't know much about is Lively. Either they or Fidelity are really the best two places that exist to stash HSA cash. Joel? Clark Bill in California says, my daughter has a ticket for a flight on Delta for the Thanksgiving holiday. I see that only about six seats are assigned on a jet that holds about 80. It's not a popular route, so I doubt many more seats are going to sell. Should we be worried that due to low capacity, Delta is going to cancel this flight at the last minute? Is there anything we can do to be proactive about this? So that's known as an economic cancellation. And we are so close to Thanksgiving that the odds that um, a major airline like Delta will do an economic cancellation are not high. The other thing is you're looking at uh, how empty the plane may be from the flight your child's going on but the reality is that plane makes multiple stops in a day and they can't just typically say well we're going to fly this segment but not the next one and then we'll fly that other one they tend to need to keep that plane staying on its route so it's not impossible that they would cancel a flight for economic reasons this close to departure but extremely unlikely that that would happen you'll find this more often with the deep discounters who might cancel a flight even up to the day before departure you don't tend to find that with one of the major carriers kim ian in california says is it a good strategy to be putting more money towards our mortgage principal given the state of interest rates Our current 30-year mortgage rate is 3.25%, and we haven't been able to find a good deal in order to refinance. Our high-yield savings account rates average about 0.5 to 0.6%, and the mortgage is our only major debt. Wonderful question, and and 3.25%, I think back over time, 3.25% is unbelievably low um, going back through American history. I remember when mortgage rates hit 8% and people were like, I can't believe they're as cheap as 8%. So you've got a great, great rate, just not when you hear that the average rate in the country now is 2 point something. So what do you do instead? So you look at the hierarchy of priorities. You want to maximize every dollar you can put 
in tax-advantaged accounts like a Roth IRA, which is actually a tax-free account. If you are maxing out Roth IRAs, great. If you're not, that would be a higher priority than prepaying on a mortgage. Um, if you're maximizing retirement plans you have at work, um, that is great. If you're not, that would be a higher priority than you paying on a mortgage. But if you are a max saver, you're saving every possible way you're allowed to. You are a good saver and you got this money earning basically nothing in savings accounts. There are worse things you could do than pay additional principal on your mortgage and move towards wiping it out at a quicker stage if you've already done everything else. Joel? Clark Allen in Georgia says, In April, I bought paint from a big box home improvement store. At the time, the paint manufacturer was offering a rebate for the purchase to be issued within 60 days. I mailed the receipt and the rebate form and also took pictures for my records. As of today, I have still not received my rebate. When I call, they put me on hold for 30 minutes and then say they're going to transfer me, and then the call gets disconnected. I've reached out to the big box store for help, and the Paint Pro section, uh, the Paint Pro at the store says they're dealing with the same issues when they call for me. Is there a government agency that protects consumers when companies do not honor rebates like this? By the way, thanks for all you do and your listeners do helping local foster children during the Christmas holidays. Well, you were really kind to say that, and uh, I'll take that tangent for a second to tell you we are in the midst of our 30th year of Clark's Christmas Kids when we collect donations for children in foster care. I want these kids to know that they are not forgotten, and you can help me out in this 30th year, see how to donate, and uh, whatever amount you can donate from $25 to $150 or more it would be wonderful. You can see how to do that at ClarksChristmasKids.com. Now, your thing with your money due to you on a rebate that's lost in space, this kind of thing has been a big customer no-service problem through the pandemic. And when I hear you say that the big box retailer has tried to help people get their rebates and has not been able to, you can sue the manufacturer in small claims court and they'll have to answer. They've got to hire a lawyer. They got to show up uh, or they get a default judgment against them. Your ability to enforce that, who knows what I find has been the most effective technique this year is social media. Um, have a sense of humor about it as you post, but post about the problems you're having the reputation of this paint manufacturer is on the line, and the more people who know about it through social media, the more pressure that brings on them to do something about it. As far as a local or federal agency that would actually lift a finger to do something about this, it's unlikely the only agency that might is the Federal Trade Commission. It would do nothing for your individual situation, and as a practical matter, it would take about two years before the FTC would issue a fine against this paint manufacturer. So word of mouth on social media is the best tool I know for you. Kim? Mary in South Carolina says, I'm thinking about canceling some of my credit cards. I don't owe any money on them, but I've been told that if you do cancel some of your credit cards, it hurts your credit score. Is that true? 
it is true. So you want to keep those cards in existence. And the exception would be if they're what's known as junk credit cards, which would be a store-only card. Like if you had a, um, a credit card from a particular retailer and that card doesn't have a Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover logo on it, in other words, it's only usable at that store, that is junk credit. You want to can those, fine with me that you close those, as long as you also have major credit cards. If the cards you're talking about are major, meaning Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover, keep those cards and the ones you're not using at all, set up each of them, a suggestion I've had from several listeners, set up each of them for a single automatic payment to someone, like your Netflix bill or something like that that just bills every month. So you keep that card active all the time, which helps you a lot in your credit mix. It means you got to pay more bills every month, but your credit score will love you for having done that. Joel? Clark Ron in Texas says, I'll turn 70 in January. How far in advance should I apply for my Social Security benefits uh, in order to get them started? Generally, you want to do so three, uh, just before three months before that date. And congratulations to you being able to wait to age 70 and get the Mac Daddy Social Security check. Billy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Billy. Hi, how are you doing? Great, thank you. You're buying a home. Yes, we are. Yeah, and we were wondering if it makes sense to get an inter- a real estate attorney for it. Um, my company offers through open enrollment, pay a premium, and the consultation and some of the legal fees are free. So, wondering if we should take advantage of that. You know, I've never been excited by the legal subscription services. They're not a scam or anything like that. I just find that people subscribe to those things and then later they're wondering why they did. When you're buying a home um, where a real estate lawyer enters into the transaction is in a fair number of states, not all of them, they do different procedures and others, a real estate closing attorney is the person who handles the transaction of the closing on your purchase of the home. And they act like a traffic cop doing all the paperwork, getting all the signatures, getting the money to where it's supposed to be, and handling the funding of the mortgage. And so a real estate lawyer, unless you're trying to buy a home without an agent, like somebody selling a home themselves, and you're going to that person to buy, that's when you need a real estate lawyer to negotiate for you when there's no agents involved. But it wouldn't be somebody you'd get from one of these legal subscription services. You would want to hire somebody who's local, who what he or she does in the county where the property is, is they do real estate transactions. Okay. And so then um, what if we have a real estate um, agent and the seller does not? Do we still need a lawyer in that case? No. If you have a real estate agent, the lawyer is only later in the deal. There is one thing, though, I want to mention that nobody ever seems to do. And I don't know why real estate lawyers don't mention this in the process of you buying a home. When you were um, buying that home, you have to buy something known as lender's title insurance that protects the lender in the event there was ever any issue 
of your lawful and rightful ownership of the property. And you can piggyback on that with an owner's policy that protects your down payment and the money you have paid in and the equity you build up over the years. And so I want you to do that, that when you do um, get to the point that you're buying that home and you're dealing with the real estate agent or in the states that don't use a real estate lawyer or in states that don't use a lawyer, maybe an escrow agent or a title person, I want you to get the owner's title policy, which is going to cost you extra money, but will put you in better shape in the event something crazy happened where somebody challenged your ownership. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. I hear from many people that this segment is their absolute favorite of the Clark Howard Show and has been for years. It's the segment we call Clark Stinks. It's when you hear me talk about something on the show, uh, speaking with a caller, answering a question, where you feel like my answer was lame, incomplete, or wrong. And it's really important that you know through and through that this show is not about me having the last word or anything like that, like the combative political talk shows. This is about us all learning together, and we all learn from each other. So I want you to know I appreciate so much when you post your disagreements or you provide uh, an update where I missed something factually or whatever, or I was just plain wrong, by going to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. Producer Kim and Joel go through your posts on Clark Stinks, and they share their favorites with you right now. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Okay, Clark, we are going to start with what I think had the most people write in this week. This is from Andy. Andy says, Clark, why do you always talk bad about the monster mega banks? But while listening to your podcast, I'm subjected to Bank of America credit card ads. I agree with your position on monster mega banks, but Clark, this really stinks. What a wonderful post. So why would we have an ad? I don't even know how our ads get on the podcast, to tell you the truth. I don't know how the placement works through our podcast vendor. But as far as credit cards from BOA or from Chase or from Citibank, um, any of those three giant monster mega banks, they are very competitive in the credit card space with reward cards. And I wouldn't want you to tie your wallet one hand behind your back, missing the opportunity with those cards. Uh, Wells Fargo, because of their continuing criminal behavior and the investigations involving them. Even when Wells has offered a really good deal on a credit card, I've stayed silent on it and not even told you about the good deals because I just don't trust that criminal enterprise impersonating a bank. But as far as the other three, I am not a fan of them. But in the credit card space, especially uh, City and Chase, are very aggressive with credit cards. And there are situations where their cards not only are competitive, they may be the best offer available. So that's why there's no blanket 
prohibition. I wouldn't even know how we would prohibit an advertiser on a podcast, tell you the truth. But that's not something that upsets me that you heard a Bank of America credit card ad. Joel? Clark Gregg and a few other posters um, said, I heard... So this is the group thing today there, with the with the Clark sticks. Exactly. Uh, people, there's, people having the same kind of stuff. Huh? That's true. A couple of people thought you stunk on this one. Greg specifically wrote, I heard and asked Clark this past week about a Coverdell. And the question was why you push 529 plans when a Coverdell can be used for books and other expenses that a 529 can't be used for. Your answer seemed a bit dodgy and you did not have... Uh, address that the color was wrong. From my research, both plans have exactly the same covered expenses, but 529 plans allow for student loan repayment where Coverdell's don't. Also, you told me on a previous call that I had with you that the Coverdell did not allow beneficiary transfer, but that's not true. Both plans allow for a transfer within the same family. Right. Uh, I want to thank everyone who posted on this question about saving for college. You know, I was so hyper-focused on why I felt the 529 plans were a superior choice from the Coverdells that I did not speak to the fact that the things you can use the 529 plan for do include tuition, your room, uh, your food under some situations, technology you need for schools, supplies you need for school, books you need for school, and the new provision that allows loan uh, loan payments of up to $10,000 against student loans where the money from the 529 used to not be allowed to be used for that now can be. So I apologize for the weakness in my answer in that particular question. And it was just because I was so focused on the Coverdell, which had been such a breakthrough when it was originally adopted as a tribute in memory of the late Senator Paul Coverdell, but it has not kept up over time as it doesn't have the champions anymore in Congress that it did have. Kim? Sammy says, Clark, every time you're asked by a parent or someone else who's wanting to help a loved one through a loan, you incorrectly complicate the decision by stating the IRS requires them to charge interest. The IRS does not. You're correct, Clark, that there is a minimum rate used by the IRS, but there's no requirement that it's actually charged. If it's not, it's simply a gift. And at today's rates, you'd have to be loaning a family member over $1 million before that gift would exceed the $15,000 a year you're allowed to offer them with no filing or tax implications. Very good point. So my fixation on how I answer questions about family member loans goes back to the fact that the Congress continually changes the rules on estate taxation. And it never seems to be truly stable. So I don't want somebody inadvertently to think they're never going to have a gift tax worry. And as a practical matter, the interest rates the IRS requires are so unbelievably low that you can state an interest rate in there and then you can very easily forgive that interest. You can even forgive a portion of the loan every year up to 15 grand without any issues at all. So I'm just trying to make it as streamlined as possible 
which actually may seem like I'm making it more complicated. I'm trying to protect people from having any issues with the feds at any point in the future. So as often as the case, I guess up front, I create more complexity to create more simplicity later. Joel? Clark Dan says, I've never once heard you talk about how much money people can save if they insulate their homes better. Older homes are particularly problematic. If you can feel a draft or see cobwebs swaying anywhere in your house, then you need to fill in cracks and holes. A $6 can of expanding foam insulation would save you hundreds, possibly thousands over the lifetime of the house. I almost peed my pants when a neighbor told me that his heating bill was $1,500 a month. Anyone spending more than $130 per month to heat their home is throwing money out the window. I don't know how much the average home costs to heat, but I do know that it pays to thoroughly inspect everywhere in your home to stop the cold air from coming in. Here, here, and you're so right. I think how many questions over the course of a year I'll have about people wanting to put in new windows in their house because they're worried about energy when the reality is it's the energy you're losing you don't see through typically the attic of a home that's the quickest payback. In a lot of cases, getting proper insulation put in your attic will pay back in months. It's the quickest payback just about of anything you can do to lower your energy bills in your home is to get that insulation in. And you'll save more quicker, obviously, if you do the work yourself. A lot of people aren't interested in that or up to it. You'll still save a ton if you hire a contractor to get proper insulation in. And thank you for reminding all of us how important it is to do that. Kim? Roger says, Clark, your advice to the mother about what to do with her daughter's 529 plan stunk. She specifically said to you that she wanted to somehow have her daughter have the money after telling you that her daughter had received large scholarship offers for college. All you could come up with is that maybe she could transfer the money to the daughter's child if she ever has one. Clark, you should know that if a student receives a scholarship, you can withdraw the amount from the 529 free of penalties, just as if that amount had been used for college expenses. Actually, not exactly. I really appreciate your post. So here's the story. So a 529 account, the money is uh, spent on eligible college expenses tax-free. If you use the money for any other purpose, then you pay a 10% federal penalty plus ordinary income tax on the gain that you've had over the years on the 529 account. So it's a double whammy specifically to keep people from using a 529 as a tax-advantaged investment account. But the exception you're referring to is that money that was scholarshiped out from college can be an offset against the 10% penalty, but it does not waive the tax you would owe on using the money for another purpose. But you are right that if the whole goal was to get money to her daughter, the daughter would have to pay uh, income tax or, or the mom would have to pay income tax on the gain in the account, but there would not be the additional 10% penalty. Joel? Clark Mike says, I recently heard you advise a caller not to invest in the market if the investment period would be less than 10 years. Parking your money in a savings account 
practically assures that your money will be worth less in 10 years than it is today after the value is adjusted for inflation. The 10-year rate of return for the S&P 500 is more than 9% on average. I agree that there's a risk in investing this money, but the risk is so small compared to the potential gain. Additionally, if you did lose money, your losses would most likely be really small. So why would you advise a caller to do this, Clark? That advice stinks. Thank you very much for that post because there are unusual circumstances today that normally when I talk about a five-year window, right now I'm talking about a 10. And if we go back in the Wayback Machine forever, I used to talk about a strategy for people with shorter-term investment windows where in order to make sure you at least broke even, you put half the money into CDs and the other half into an index fund. But now the rates earned on CDs or savings accounts are so low that that strategy is non-functional today. In addition, the um, values of stocks in the U.S. stock market are unusually high right now. So when you look at a shorter investment window, particularly uh, zero to five years, there's a greater chance that we could see declines than we continue to see advances just because the market has gotten ahead of itself. So I've been very conservative of late with people who have shorter investment windows. The 10 years is really strident and extreme on my part. But expecting that over the next 10 years, we're going to have a historical average return of 9% per year is almost impossible for me to accept because there's an economic concept called reversion to mean where you have a period of lower returns that follows a period of exceptionally high returns like we've had of late. So I may be wrong, um, but I'm more worried about someone in the shorter term losing money than in the longer term you're going to make money regardless of where today's market is. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Matt is with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Matt, you're just shocked at how much pay you're making now. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, it is. I um, I just my income doubled. I went from, well, actually more than doubled. I went from the mid thirties to the six figure range now, and so I'm, I'm kind of uh, trying to decide like what do I need to do. Wait, wait, wait! <laughs> how quickly did you go uh, from a situation where you essentially have tripled your salary? Well, um, the company that I worked for was purchased by a larger company, and then I was able to move up into the corporate sphere of that company. And so um, it was sudden. It's very exciting, though. That's outstanding. And so I'm curious, has your lifestyle gotten a lot fancier since you tripled your pay? It hasn't. I'm very nervous. I don't really know 
like what I've, you know, I've been listening to you for years. I've immediately started contributing to Roth IRA for the first time. I just don't know what the next steps are. Like, I feel like this is when I should stop doing my own taxes. I should probably get a financial planner. I just, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on the road forward. So I don't think you need, um, at this point in your career, a financial planner, because what it's really about now is what you're already in your mindset to do, and that's live on less than what you make and put money aside. And it's really a matter of knowing where to put it and what goals you're trying to achieve, because you've got the hard part down already. You already know that what you're about is having money left over after a paycheck to build financial security for yourself. So you're doing the Roth IRA, but at the income you have, that's not enough. That's um, less than 6% of your pay that you're making now if you're maxing that out. So at this big company, do you have access to a 401k or Roth 401k? I do. Um, They don't start matching until a year. Um, In your case, I don't care. Go ahead and put in the maximum amount you can into that 401k and do you have a choice of a traditional or roth with them no it's, oh, i don't know actually i'm not sure so see if you have access to tradi- to uh roth in addition to traditional most companies now offer that choice go all in roth when okay. they start matching in a year your match will be a pre-tax traditional match so you'll have both pre-tax and post-tax money and if you do those two things, you'll be saving approximately 25% of your pay. Oh, wow. Okay. And that'll be great. And then beyond that, what goals do you have? Like, are you interested in buying a home or buying a condo or, or saving money up for a car? Like, what other things do you want to do in your life? Um, well, outside of retirement, which I haven't really been saving for until now, um, I think, yeah, I would like to buy a home at some point. That would be something that in my goals okay so what i do is is go ahead and start throwing that money in the 401k and then because you're still living on the paycheck that you were getting when you were making a third of the money that'll still leave you money you can start stashing into an online savings account with the goal being building up a reserve for down payment on a house got it and so with the 401k do, I assume with the Roth IRA, you're doing target retirement fund? Yes, yep. Do the same thing with the 401k at work, because that's the easiest, simplest, most direct way for you to build up long-term investment money for your future. And then with the money you're doing towards the house, simple savings. And that's the key. You know, you talk to any financial planner, they'll tell you the biggest issue they have with people is they aren't living on less than what they make. You've got that down pat. You're going to be good. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.